Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. How are you, Nick? I'm very well, thanks. Delighted to be talking to you. Well, listen, Nick, uh, as I said, uh, you know, you've been on the BBC Midlands Today duties uh, a little bit earlier on, on a day off, I should say. Um, <laughs> and I want to talk about, because obviously I, I watch you on the TV, you're my regional programme of choice, of course, um, every every week down. Whether you're on or not, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say anybody else is as good as you. I mean, you are numero uno. Uh, can, I, can I go back, Nick, way, way, way back? Because I want to talk about, I mean, obviously to start with, you, you did some work for the Birmingham Post. Um, was that before you did TVAM? Uh, oh, yes, yeah. I mean, I, I did five years, roughly, as a newspaper reporter, you know, training and, mm. and, and becoming a qualified journalist back in 69, 70, 71-ish. Mm. And uh, I first came to the Midlands, because I'm a southerner, basically, but I spent a lot of my life in the Midlands. Um, I first came to the Midlands with the Birmingham Post in about 72, I should think, uh, as a reporter there. And it was while I was there that... Um, they were sort of in the process of inventing local radio on the BBC. And, um, you know, I was listening to it and thought, well, that sounds quite good fun. And I kept going out on stories for the newspaper and I'd meet reporters from local radio mm. and they'd become friends and they'd chat away and tell me about it, say, you ought to give it a go and all that. Uh, and I was intrigued, so I actually applied. And it took me three goes to, uh, to get a job. I got turned down a couple of times, finally got a job. And in uh, late 1973, I started as a producer, reporter, presenter, just about everything you can think of, because everyone <laughs> does everything on local radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where my broadcasting career started, and, and I got the bug very quickly and realised, you know, I found where I wanted to be. I mean, what, what, what kind of... When you obviously went into... We're talking about Radio Birmingham, I think, 1973. Yes, right. um, did you kind of... Didn't you want to pigeonhole yourself? Did you kind of want to maybe do a bit of presenting, a bit of sports, a bit of news? I mean, because with me, I just wanted to play music. I wanted to be a radio presenter, just playing music, really mm. having a good time. Uh, what what made you to decide to decide what area of, of broadcasting you wanted to go into? Well, I mean, I just went there, first of all, essentially as a reporter, because mm. that's what I was doing mm. as a living. Mm. I was a, a newspaper reporter who became a radio reporter. Mm. Um, but uh, on local radio, get a chance to do just about everything. So besides going out and reporting and coming back with a tape and cutting it with a razor blade and all that sort of thing and learning those sort of skills, you also got the chance to present bulletins, news bulletins, present sports bulletins. 
Um, and, you know, I just ended up doing more and more. And because I loved my sport, I got asked to help out on the sport and more and more. And I started covering games uh, on Saturdays, Aston Villa, Birmingham City, West Brom, Wolves, Coventry, Walsall, whatever mm, it was. Mm, mm. Uh, and then I got asked to present on a Saturday. So I was then started doing five hours live every Saturday afternoon. And that was a real cutting your teeth job, you wow. know, because you can't script it or anything. It's very, very ad lib because you don't know what's going to happen in the games you're covering. And it's not just football. It's uh, cricket or rugby or athletics, loads going on, you know, and you'd have guests in the studio. And I'd go spend all week interviewing people on tape to have them on the program, you know, to play their interviews. And that's when I really realized that, that, that I enjoyed presenting. I enjoyed just chatting to people and being relaxed and, and um, <laughs> trying to be natural. You are which that. I, I, you know, like to feel has always been yeah. my my main thing, natural. I think I think you're like a cuddly blanket. Everybody knows that. You know, we, <laughs> we, you you give, you give us assurance. That's that's the the most important. I thing. hope so. It's nice of you to say. So um, I appreciate that. You, and, and I took that into television. I got I got approached yeah. by ATV, which is now known as Central TV, yes. but it was then ATV. Um, to have a go at television, and it's a bit of a gamble because I was on the staff at the BBC. I fancied myself ultimately going to London to join Sport on Two because I became full-time Sport mm. and Sport on Two, which is now Sport on Five, but then it was Radio Two, uh, to be doing network bulletins. I did loads of network, um, national network stuff on Radio Sport anyway for the BBC, mm. um, but my main job was in Birmingham for the for the you know that region. Um, but yeah, I got approached by television. It was a bit of a gamble, you know. Should I go to television? Would I be any good at it? Would I like it? Would it suit me? Um, uh, I'd met loads of ATV television people and got to know mm. them very well, mm. such as Billy Wright, you know, who mm -hmm. had become head of sport, having previously mm. been a, a mega star in football with Wolves in England. Um, so I knew a lot of people there, and so it wasn't like I was going to a strange place, but I just didn't know whether I'd be any good at telly. And uh, so I actually decided I'd give it a go and went into telly in November 1978. And unbelievably, I'm still here now in 2021. Now, Bonkers, now I'm a bit disappointed because there's something I didn't know that you're going to clarify now. Um, quite a while ago, I had the late, great Jim Bowen on the show. Oh, um, bless him. Loved him. Mm. And you were part of Bullseye. Now, why did this slip my knowledge? <laughs> well, there are lots of things I've done that people don't really know about just because they're, you know, just a small part uh, of what I was doing. But, yeah, in the early 80s, um, they asked me to do the voiceovers, by which time I was, I was working at Breakfast Telly, I think, mm. TVAM. Mm. Um, they asked me because it was recorded in Birmingham. And I was living in Birmingham still before moving back down south to my roots yeah. for breakfast telly. Um, they asked me if I could do the voiceovers for the prizes and things like that. That's so amazing. I did. It was just a, you know, just a little thing I did. That's amazing. And, uh, you know, I've forgotten I'd done it, really. That's amazing. Uh, I've got to mention as well, because somebody asked me to mention this. Was your, <laughs> first, uh, was your first news broadcast on the Les Ross show? Yes, it was. Ah. Absolutely. My first radio, yeah. In uh, sometime in 1973, and as Les Ross saying, now it's time for the news with our, you know, newest recruit or worst out of effect, Nick <laughs> Owen. I could hear my heart beating. I was actually shaking. Eight oh. o'clock in the morning or seven o'clock in the morning, crack of dawn, you know. You want to put your hand on my chest right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm exactly... still like that. I still, I still get keyed up. I, I do. still get sweaty hands and stuff, dry throat. When I, when I start, you know, going on air. Yeah. And you really got to hit the ground running and you're really concentrating. You spend all afternoon writing scripts and getting sorted and getting ready for live interviews. And, um, and then bang, you go. And uh, 
it's that extra exposure of television. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're yeah. not only getting the words right, but you're being seen at the same time. No, um, no. I mean, I have to. I have to say. <coughs> I have to say because obviously, you know, you are you're you're well known, of course, uh, with working with a sidekick, of course, and because you were that good, people remember it today as if it was today, as if you've just been on the. Uh, you and the wonderful Anne Diamond. Now, did you start working together on TVAM, or was there a regional no, program no, before, before that? that? No, yeah. Anne and I got to meet each other in September 1979. Okay. I remember all these dates. That's when she joined ATV, <laughs> yeah. television station in Birmingham, uh, you know, the ITV station. Yes. Um, and she came along, and we got to know each other, not particularly well, because she was in the newsroom, and I was essentially in the sports room. But I did help out presenting the news occasionally when they were sort of shorter people. Mm. And so, slowly but surely, we got to know each other quite well. And then, if you remember, um, when new franchises were handed out, yes. ATV was asked to split into two. Yes. And do a cent and become Central East and Central West. Yes. And they asked Anne and me to become the presenters of the new station in Nottingham for Central East. Yes. And that's when we were really thrown together. And we became very close then. And, and although there were lots of union problems, so it never really got going properly in the East, we did end up presenting lots of programs for Central and the West. Um, and always said, wouldn't it be great one day if we could do something together nationally? And amazingly, wow. in wow. 1983, after I joined TBAM and got going, through various circumstances, a, a TBAM breakfast television people decided they wanted to change everything. Mm. So they said to me, who in a perfect world would you like to present with? By this time, I'd been presenting with Angela Rippon and Anna Ford. Um, and I told them about Anne Diamond. They said, oh, tell us more. And I told them all about it. And, and Greg Dyke, who'd then come in to be in charge of TBAM, mm. said, uh, can I meet her? And I arranged for them to meet that night in a pub. And that was about May 1983. And by the middle of June, she was sitting next to me. And away we went. And it was, you know, a most wonderfully happy time. And I'm delighted to say a very successful time. It was just wonderful. What did you, when you first went to air for the very first time, of course, TVAM, of course, of Legend, they need, to bring, yeah. they need to bring TVAM back with you on it, uh, with, mm -hmm. with, the, with the activities that have gone on the last couple of weeks. What was it like that first morning? You were about to go live to the nation for the first time. I, I'm, I'm looking at the egg cups now. I've got the egg cups in my, oh, in my mind. Oh, yeah. I've got three actual egg cups in my have you? here at home, yeah. Well, I mean, I was first of all there as a sports presenter. I joined them as a sports mm. presenter before mm. it went on air. So yeah. as part of the build-up yeah. and all the pilot programs, and stuff. We finally went on air on February the 1st, 1983, uh, and I was doing sport, as I say, and the main programme was presented by the likes of David Frost yes. and Angela Rippon. Yes. And after eight weeks, it was really struggling. For whatever reason, it was struggling. It was a new concept. People didn't mm. have televisions in their bedrooms or their kitchens in those mm. days. Mm. Mm. So, you know, and they weren't used to watching telly at that time of day anyway. Uh, and so it was a real battle um, to survive because it was a commercial station. BBC had started roughly the same time with Frank Boff, Selena Scott, and uh, Nick Ross and co. Um, but they didn't have to worry about the commercial element. The fact that our audiences were pretty low, mm. um, the advertising was pretty poor, and they weren't paying much money. And so there was a bit of a crisis going on. In fact, it was a massive sort of worldwide story because the station was founded essentially by Michael uh, Parkinson and David Frost. Mm. Um, and uh, so it was of interest around the world because these were worldwide figures. Um, so the publicity was incredible. I'm in arriving to work every day, you know, and getting there at about four o'clock in the morning to a big um, open forecourt in front of the TVAM building. There were literally hordes of press there waiting to see if this station was going to collapse in a very quick time. And so the powers that be decided they were going to change things. 
and they thought let's give a go to that young lad on sport called Nick Owen and suddenly wow. the boy next door as I was sort of yeah. appreciate you know yes. seen as perceived yes. as yes. Um, took took over as the main male presenter and I presented with Andrew Ripon and Anna Ford for a time and also Linda Berry who was on the staff there at the time yes um, but they they called me in and asked me about you know who in a perfect world would I like to present with because they were on the verge of sacking everyone and I told them about Anne and um, Anne joined and it was just yeah wonderful but the first day on air presenting a three and a half hour live national TV mm. program mm. Um, was pretty nerve-wracking, I've got to say, but fantastically exciting as well to be part of something new. It's really pioneering time. To be on air on the very first day ever of um, ITV Breakfast Television is quite something, and, you know, you can never, I can never uh, lose that tag. It's a great feeling, and um, to be presenter for so long with Anne, it was just wonderful time, wonderful time. Meeting so many good people and working with so many people, um, as you know a teenager i loved the likes of the beatles the animals mm, the stones mm, and mm. the searchers and jerry and the pacemakers and the everly brothers and so many other names and i ended up meeting most of these people and interviewing it was just brilliant besides the political interviews and all the other stuff it was it was a really exciting time and i'm still proud to this day of being in at the start of something that's now regarded as an institution and taken as you know, part of the television landscape, isn't it? Well, you were probably part of some of the biggest stories uh, back in the day, TVAM, of course. We're going to talk about Good Morning with Anna and Nick in a little while. Um, how do you, because I'm not a, a television presenter, uh, it's not what I do, how do you adapt yourself from being happy one minute and then being maybe shoved a piece of paper saying this has just happened, because it's live live TV, how, yeah. how does your mind adapt to going from something that's maybe positive to yeah. something where you're coming out of maybe a commercial break where you're going to have to deliver something that just is not good. Yeah, it's just something you just have to get used to doing and, and try and adapt to your own way of doing it. I mean, one of the great ways of breaking the spell would be, you know, there'd be a sting, you know, sort of a music ident about the station or something. They'd say, right, after this, we've got a big story breaking, terrible tragedy, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they play a sting. So immediately it's like a punctuation point. Mm. Or, or I would just say something like, it's 7.15, you're watching TVAM, um, and uh, we've now got some breaking news, uh, rather sad, I'm afraid, or something like that. you just got to be like that. As you are in any ordinary conversation with people, you do often go from happy to sad, don't you? You mm. say, yeah, mm. that's really funny, but uh, on the other hand, gosh, did you hear about George? That sort of thing. Yeah. It's, it's a bit like that, and you just got to be natural um, and, and be warm, and I believe um, that the most important um, ingredient you need, the most important quality as a, a radio TV presenter, either of them, mm. is warmth. I yeah. really do think that. You've obviously got to be able to articulate and read stuff out properly and understand things and interview people. But I think you've got to overall have an impression of warmth. Yeah. I really think that's an absolute cardinal virtue in our business. And then people can relate to you a bit more and they sort of trust you and think you're a decent guy. And so they believe what you're saying. See, I, I, I've always thought, and I mean genuinely for our audience across the UK and the world tonight, I've, I've, I've been part of your career, not his part of it, but I've watched, every, I've watched, I've watched everything that you've done. Um, and for, for some major reason, which is the most important thing, people trust you. This, this is, this oh, is, now, what I wanted to ask you is, is it something that you've kind of built up as an armour over the years, or are you just being Nick Owen? 
Oh, I would like to think I'm being Nick Owen. I don't think you can be anything other than yourself when mm. you're doing long television programs. You get mm. found out. Do you know mm. what I mean? If it's all an act, yeah. you're just switching it on and putting the smile on and the, the sincerity. <laughs> and it's not genuine. If you're on live for three and a half hours, which we were on Breakfast Telly, yes. and Good Morning with Anne and Nick, you know, in the in the yes. 90s from the BBC, yes. that yeah. was um, quite often two hours. You've got to be yourself. Well, that's what I was going to talk either, about. Either works or it doesn't. Well, that's what I was going to talk about. This is this is kind of why, I, 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 from the early early days, we've all bought into into the brand because <clears> it's not. It was nice to see you kind of come away from TVAM and then in the nineties go into Good Morning with Anne and Nick. You basically followed each other into a new concept, a new show, a new lively daytime morning show. Um, I think Ainsley Halliott was on there. You had Garden. <laughs> yeah, Tips. he started his television career with us. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was about to say. Um, you must have felt so comfortable with each other. How was you approached about this? Because obviously on ITV they got things going on, on there, yeah. and they wanted somebody to kind of you know battle against it, and you, it seemed seemed to work so well the transition from yeah, TV. Yeah, it did. Well, well, first and foremost, I left TVAM to go back to sport, and I did ITV Sport from eighty six to ninety two. Yes, and I was lucky enough to be the anchor man for the World Cup in nineteen ninety, the one in Italy. I remember. So, the Olympic Games 88, as well as lots of other bits and pieces. So that was a, a fascinating time. But I did miss doing general stuff, covering everything, the yeah. human stories and the yeah. politics and the showbiz and stuff. Um, and so out of the blue, when I'd, um, I was doing ITV Sport, I got a call from the BBC saying, would you like to come back to the BBC long after I'd left it, um, when I left it from local radio days, um, and get together with Anne Darman again and do a mid-morning show? And, you know, I thought, well, yeah, great. He said, they said, there's only one problem. I said, what's that? He said, it'll be coming from Birmingham. I said, that's all right. I used to be in Birmingham. There are lots <laughs> yeah, of people yeah, there. Pebble yeah, Mill, fantastic yeah, place. Yeah. And um, I was delighted to come back to the Midlands because, um, you know, I've got loads of friends in Birmingham and it's a brilliant city, ever improving. Um, and the Midlands as a whole, uh, I just love it. There's some wonderful parts of the Midlands. If people don't sort of seem to realise, I just think Birmingham is an industrial city, the black country is it's all not. industry. It's and there's not. nothing else going for it. Well, Birmingham itself has been absolutely revolutionised. It has. Um, and they're permanently doing things to all parts of the, the black country. And round about, the counties are just magnificent. I've got a huge affection for Shropshire, Worcestershire, yes. Herefordshire, Warwickshire, yes. Staffordshire, where I live. Uh, and Derbyshire, where I have huge family background. All these places are absolutely wonderful. I love the countryside, and Gloucestershire, for that matter. Uh, all these sort of places round and about, which, you know, are part of our editorial area, so mm. I get to go to them. Mm. got friends in all of them. Um, and, and that's how Anne and Nick came along. They just asked me if I fancied getting together with Anne, and uh, we actually did 600 programmes, and they were very successful, but the powers that be decided they wanted to do something different in the morning, so... You know, it was taken off, and uh, that was pretty shattering, really. It's a television program, national television program. Fifteen million of people a, w a week were watching it, and um, got your name on it, and they decided to take it off. I mean, was, that was devastating, actually. I mean, I have to say, listening to what you spoke about there, you seem to be, which is fantastic, very protective of the Midlands. And very yeah, protective. Big time. Uh, yeah, and, and <clears throat> what would what would you say? The one thing you think people uh, don't realise about the Midlands, Nick? Well, one thing I say specifically is they don't realise what a great musical heritage it's got. Absolutely. Crikey. 
Absolutely. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a load of friends who've been major, you know, pop stars in the Midlands, really close friends. And um, so uh, I'm biased, but it's mm. undoubtedly a, a fantastic place for bringing up, uh, producing musicians and bands, musical heritage. Why it doesn't have its own uh, museum or something like Merseyside, because really it deserves it. I mean, if you think of... Birmingham and the wider West Midlands. You go yeah. wider and you get yeah. Slade and Robert Plant yes. and so on and Led Zeppelin. But in Birmingham itself, people such as Spencer Davis, yes. um, The Move, ELO, yes. Wizard, yes. Um, you know, um, The Moody Blues, yes. The Fortunes, The Rocking Berries, Black Sabbath. I mean, the list is endless. Did I say Spencer Davis as well? I you mean, did. You did. Wonderful bands. And, and the history is just absolutely brilliant. Some geniuses in amongst that. Roy Wood. What about the stuff Roy has written? You know? And it just doesn't seem to get the recognition nationally that everyone raves about Merseyside or Manchester. Yeah, 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 yeah. But we're, we're going to be, we're gonna, kind of going to own the Midlands, of course, because you've seen my playlist tonight. This is the music, <coughs> the, 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 the bands and artists that you've just uh, told us about. We play on the station all the time here. We don't kind oh, of... I'm uh, glad to hear it. No, we do, we do. So, I, I mean, on my playlist, just, 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 just to say on my playlist, I've got David Essex, the Bay City Rollers. Um, do you remember 5,000 Volts? Uh, it's things like um, that we play. The stylistics, yeah. Johnny Nash. That's what we play on here, really. You know, um, because it's what the audience want. I was going to ask you uh, before we come away from the TVAM days and away from Good Morning with Anna and Nick. Obviously, TV's changed a lot now because we're going to talk about BBC Midlands today in, in just a little while. Um, yeah. If you kind of went back to mainstream now, would you go back into mainstream as in, let's say, GMB now? Um, would it? Would it kind of? Uh, scare you a little maybe to go into into that now currently with what's going on with people you know unable to say things and contradictions and all that going or would you relish the chance if somebody said Nick we want you back on GMB tomorrow morning I think you could do I think you could do it Nick, quite well I think oh, you well I, I like to think I could do it quite well yeah. I'm not sure I particularly want to be getting up at three o'clock in the but morning would you do it, Nick? like would I you used do it? to would you, would you do it though would you do it would you rise to the challenge would you do it I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind doing it for a week or so just for the novelty of it but yeah. I'm very happy doing what I do at Midlands today I absolutely love and totally immersed in our programme um, at BBC yeah. Midlands today and the yeah. crowd I work with yes uh, and I, I'm very happy to be doing that I've had I've had my years doing all the national stuff and being you know the subject of horrible comments in newspapers and things like that you know um i'm quite happy to be doing what i do now and i feel so devoted to the midlands even though as i said earlier i come from Hertfordshire down south um that i'm very happy doing what i do and i don't think i'd necessarily want to be doing that sort of program in the age of social media when people are so absolutely vile do you think yeah 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 do you think do you think news uh, has changed a lot over the years. Obviously, you, you're right at the heart of it with BBC Midlands today. But mm. have you seen changes for the better or the worse? Or would you kind of maybe grab everything that was on TVM and bring it to today? I think it would still work. I mean, just where do you sit with it? Do you think it's good now, bad? Where do you sit? Well, um, I, I think GMB um, has become a very strange animal under Piers Morgan. Yes. Let me say, first of all, I know he's gone. Um, really nice bloke, charming yes. bloke. Yes. I don't know him that well, but whenever I've had anything to do with him, and he's interviewed me on GMB. Yes. Um, you know, absolutely charming, and he's a 
very talented man and very knowledgeable and a very good journalist. However, the, the, the sort of thing that he was doing on GMB when he was just, you know, sort of arguing with everyone and yes. trampling all over them and not giving them a chance, really, is yes. totally contrary to my method, my uh, the way I do things. Yes. And um, he was stating opinions all the time. Well, the one thing is a, a news broadcaster, a current affairs broadcaster, mm. such as myself, you know, it, 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 is you're meant to be um, a facilitator getting yes. opinions out of other yes. people. It's not about your opinions. Yes. My question to someone shouldn't be about one minute rant about what I think <laughs> yeah. uh, before I actually ask the question of whoever the guest is. But he does it very well, and he's like Marmite, and some people absolutely hated it and couldn't watch it. Others loved it. And good for him. He's been very successful in, in many ways, and he's created a huge following and a massive profile, and he's a very successful bloke. So I have every respect for him but it's totally different from the sort of journalism and presenting broadcasting that I've ever uh, wanted to do or been asked to do. You know, as a journalist, I've not been an opinion maker. I've been an opinion gatherer from other people. That I've always seen as my job. What is it? What is it? To, I mean, here we are now. Like You've done everything. You're an absolute legend. You've done so many things. Can I ask you, why do you continue doing it? Is it because you love it? I love it, yeah. I can't imagine not having a sort of thread, a professional thread to my life. I'm 74 this year. No. But I still, yeah, but I'm still, you know, enjoying what I do. I'm part-time anyway at the BBC now. Mm. Um, so I'm not on every day anyway. And uh, it suits me just fine. Um, I do it because I really want to do it. Is there anything that you regret from the past? Maybe a job that you took that you, you shouldn't have taken or you got in sync saying you should have took a job, you didn't, but you should. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Shut off. It's one of those, those questions. Yeah, well, I think I would say uh, I wish I didn't leave, hadn't left breakfast television quite so early. Yeah. It was it was very demanding and difficult for, you know, home life and stuff like that, being permanently knackered at home and, you know, leaving home every morning at 3 o'clock. It's pretty demanding uh, with young children. But having said that, um, I had some great experiences doing ITV Sports, as I said earlier, you know, hosted yes. the World Cup, hosted the Olympic Games, travelled around the world. And while I was working for... Thames Television, which is where I was based with yes. ITV Sport. Yes. You know, I was lucky enough to do all the royal premieres for ITV, so I'd be there at um, Leicester Square, you know, as the royal family arrived and be interviewing the stars of Bond films or whatever it was. And I did Wish You Were Here, the travel program, so I travelled around the world with that. I did a few of those, the time, the place, chat shows in the morning, and lots of other bits and pieces which gave me, you know, a, a very sort of a wide... Um, experience of different sorts of programs so that was great in many many ways but breakfast television was uh, suited me down to the ground with hindsight my personality my style sort of laid back warm but still having to do the heavy interviews because you know we're doing interviews yes. in the middle of the minor yes. strike yes. with Arthur Scargill and people like yes. that so you know there was some tough stuff going on 
but there's also a chance to be humorous and I do like a gag when I can <laughs> and having you know Mickey taking session and things like that and also you just meeting some of the legends I referred to earlier from you know the world of pop music particularly who had you know been buying all their records and suddenly they were sitting on the sofa next to me unbelievable well we've got the Nick Owen fan club because we've got Nicola who's listening to us in Islington um, oh, yeah. <laughs> now, now this is great uh, she's told me right she's 68 years old she said you were a dish all the way through TVAM and she <laughs> I haven't got a picture but she says she based her husband on your looks no, I, I don't know to think about it. Uh, but she said a great vehicle for you right now because we need it on the TV would maybe you and Anne doing similar to what Des and Mel did a few years ago do you remember that Des and Mel show yes, at lunchtime that, that lunchtime thing you could do that yeah, of course we could. Absolutely we could. But, you know, things move on. Um, you know, your flavour of the month for a while on telly, and then things move on, mostly. So, uh, you know, we're, we're from a different era in many ways. I mean, Anne is still doing bits and pieces yes. on the Jeremy Vine yes. show. Yes, yes. Um, and we're still in touch a lot. We had a lovely time a couple of years ago, Anne and I. We went on a, a thing called Costa del Celebrity. I don't know whether you I watched. It. I watched every... Listen... I love you that much, Nick. I watched every single second, and I thought it was absolutely... It was on Channel 5, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was great absolutely... Fun. Went with Ainsley, of course, who was yeah. a great friend. Amazing. And Vicky Michelle, the actress. Yes. And, yes. Um, and Christine Hamilton, you know, who's yes. very well known. Yes. Was sort of a bit of a dragon, but a great, great person. Yes. Wonderful personality. Yes. Um, with Anne. It was lovely to spend two weeks quite intensively with that lot and travelling around Spain filming and things like that. It was um, it was pretty intensive, hard going. You know, we're sort of sometimes up at six o'clock in the morning, mm. film camera in your face, and you're still working at sort of six o'clock at night or even midnight sometimes, still filming, trying to look cheerful and lively and interesting. Um, but it was great fun to do. It was lovely to do something different as well. Do you think, do you think um, TV as a whole now, as in celebrity, and I ask this question because, you know, your thoughts would be amazing for a celebrity. Has it watered down a lot? Are, are we losing all the big names, all the big stars? Are they kind of being sidelined for reality reality people? And, you, you know, because like if somebody asks me about my history, Nick, I'll go back to someone, I watched Good Morning with Anna and Nick, I watched TVAM, I know this and that. Where some of the presenters now, I've got to be honest, and I'm, I'm not that old, I don't know who they are. I don't know whether they've, they've kind of just appeared on a camera. What's your thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Um, there are a lot of people who become very well known without having Do done a lot, really. That not a lot that comes into my sphere, anyway. So I can be watching a celebrity version of some game show, and I think, who are these people? I haven't a clue yeah. who they are. But that's because I'm, I'm much older, isn't it? I would have thought a uh, younger generation, my kids, who are sort of in their 30s and 40s, they'd all know who they are, and kids younger than that would know who they They've been on Love Island or whatever it is. Oh, um, these things pass me by. So it is a different world, and people do get very well-known and very high-profile now for being on reality shows, and that's the way it is. And if they're popular, you know, who are we to argue with it? Of course, we've lost so many great people, of course, in the world of comedy, uh, TV presenters. Um if you if oh, you could gosh, yeah. yeah if you could be if you could kind of be in charge tomorrow um, we'll give you a we'll give you a, a TV so let's call it Channel Nine just so that we don't offend anybody uh, and and right Nick you've got Channel Nine it's yours now let's make it a year it's yours for a year uh, show us what we're missing what what kind of things would you like to see back on TV what kind of what kind of things would you like to see back out there you know 
Variety. Yes. I, I miss variety. I used to love things like Sunday nights at the London Palladium. We had a bit of everything. And all the other programmes like that. And some of the lovely comedy programmes that used to be on Saturdays, people like or Sunday, Hale and Pace, and yes. uh, Bobby Davro, and yes. Brian Connolly, yes. and Russ Abbott, oh. and Little and Large, and oh. Cannon and Ball, wow. um, and, and my particular favourite, Morecambe and Wise. I'm yes. an absolutely passionate fan oh. of Eric Morecambe, wow. loved Eric, was privileged to have interviewed him a couple of times, his yeah. son is a very close friend, um, and I've got a statue of him, a mini statue of him on my mantelpiece right now. I'm looking at it. Oh. Um, my ringtone on my phone is Bring Me Sunshine. Oh. Uh, and that sort of comedy is what I love. And so, you know, some of the comedy today leaves me pretty cold. I mean, comedy has to evolve. It has to change. And it is of its time. Uh, and my time is those sort of people like Russ Abbott, like Davro. I- I'm biased because Bobby Davro is a close friend. Brian Connolly is a close friend. Um, and you know, I, I, I've sort of, and Jim Davidson, I know pretty well. Yes, there's loads of people who I yes. think are very funny, um, even if they're not always politically correct. But um, you never see them on television these days. No. I hardly ever see them on television because um, Russ Abbott's another. You know, um, because particularly comedy, it is flavour of the month stuff, and people are absolutely massive for a year or two, and then suddenly, bang! You know, he just. You know, just remember some of those names I just mentioned, like Davro, like Brian Connolly, um, like Hale and Pace, yes. um, Russ Abbott. They were massive at weekends. See, I'll tell you, and we, I, I'll see, you I'll never tell, see them on telly. Well, I'll tell you, you know, we are the management. See, I remember. Yeah, that's uh, right. And it just shows Love you. Them. I saw them when, um, uh, not so long ago, uh, Vicky, my wife, and I yes. spent six days in Benidorm, where they were filming the Benidorm sitcom. Yes. Because John Chalice, who used to be Boise, you know, in Fools and Horses, he's a very close friend of ours. And we, he said, come out and join me and Carol, my wife, and stay with us out in Benidorm and, you know, have a bit of a holiday and come yeah. on set and all that sort of thing. So we did that. And Hale and Pace were actually taking part in Benidorm at the time, and I hadn't seen them face-to-face since about 1984. Mm. It was fabulous catching up with them. But um, you just think they were so talented and so funny. Yet, you know, suddenly a new commissioner, or controller, comes into uh, various stations and said, right, that's the sort of thing my parents used to watch. I want to move on. I want something a bit more cutting-edge or whatever. Mm. Mm. And so comedy particularly... It really does change face very quickly. And I think it's a real pity because some of these great talents still make you a good living going around the circuits and things, um, doing live shows, but they're not on telly anymore. And and also, of course, to be fair, it, you know, television does absolutely drain your material. You need an absolute huge cast of uh, script writers to keep feeding the giant, you know. But, you know, people, people don't... I mean, Nick asked me before we came on for a live chat... Uh, how old I was, and I, and I love saying this, I'm 48, but you know, I don't watch normal TV apart from uh, the news bulletins with yourself, uh, a couple of programmes that I pick out of that. I've started going through BritBox, Nick. Yeah, <laughs> we we watch a lot of other stuff besides the the normal sort of yeah. um, scheduled telly. Have you looked at BritBox? Have you, have you had a look at BritBox? Not yet, no, oh. I haven't got to that. Oh. But I know about it. Oh, listen, uh, classic episodes of Wurzel Gummidge, Porridge, <laughs> The Two Ronnies, they're all there. Two Ronnie, there's another, you know, yeah. two wonderfully talented people. Oh, my God, how funny were they? What else do you want to do, Nick? I mean, you, you know, you, you're enjoying life, you're part-time at the BBC. What else would Nick Owen like to do in the years to come? 
I think I'd probably like to tour Australia with the England cricket team or something like that. I'd like to do a documentary following them around. That wouldn't happen now, but uh, uh, something like that would be lovely just to, to take sort of three months off and go into the sunshine of Australia. I'm passionate about cricket as well as football. You are. Um, that would be brilliant. So if you had the opportunity, if you had the opportunity to do one major thing, one major thing, one like massive, like, the biggest thing you could ever do in your life, um, either to be television, theatre, stage, music. What what would be the one thing on your wish list that you would like to? Apart from the cricket, we know you're a big cricket fan, football fan. But we're talking about for you, you're you're entitled to have something for yourself. What would it be? Mm. Well, it would be some sort of chat show, I think, where yeah. I could interview heroes from my youth. I think. Yeah. Um, those that are still alive. I think I would. I, I so thoroughly enjoy. I'm really quite, chatting to someone in depth. I'm quite sure. Um, quite sure. If anybody's listening for any television stations, we could lose a reality <laughs> star and put a real star on the TV. Uh, late night. That would be good. The late night foils yeah. with Nick Owen. Yeah, absolutely. That 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 is what I particularly enjoy. And um, at the moment, it's quite frustrating because of the pandemic. You know, we don't actually interview anyone face to face. Our building, the BBC in Central Birmingham, is shut off to anyone who isn't BBC, uh, so we don't have any guests in to be interviewed. We do loads of interviews via Zoom, of course, but mm. that doesn't quite, no. you know, it hasn't quite got the warmth of it and, and, and the, the interaction and, and the body language that you need. It's, I mean, it's working very well considering the circumstances, but still not the same as actually sitting down with someone, looking them in the eye and having a good old chat and getting the emotions mm. out and finding out what they really feel about something or what they've been through. Um, whether it's uh, <clears throat> an ordinary person, you know, yeah, and always yeah. had an experience, or some mega celeb, that's what I enjoy most of all: having a good old chat, sports person, show busy person, yeah, comedian, or whatever. Clive, like like the days of Clive James, of course. Um, oh, brilliant! Yeah. Mm. With Margarita Prakatan. See, I remember all these. Things. Yes, you do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was a great character to interview. Absolutely yeah. laugh a minute. I'm very lucky to have met so many of these people that you keep throwing in, you know, yeah. over the years. Very, I mean, I've interviewed seven prime ministers, um, wow. let alone anything else, and worked, oh. you know, a lot with Princess Diana. Oh, uh, and, and, you know, those are memories that I absolutely treasure. I really do. Um, and, and as I say, met so many of my heroes, sporting heroes, um, uh, as well as sort of show busy heroes, it's, it's been it's been a pleasure, privilege, and I, I feel very blessed that I went into journalism and just fancied being a, a columnist one day in Fleet Street, and then mm. I fancied being a, a national radio reporter, and then I ended up on television as a national TV presenter, and I, I feel absolutely blessed. You're an amazing, you're an amazing man. I need to ask you. Uh, during lockdown, of course, it's been a terrible twelve months uh, for everybody, mm. of course. Uh, me as a as a, an independent radio station, of course, losing so much revenue on commercials, and I can understand why. Of course, who can you advertise in this particular period? Obviously, you having to have Zoom calls as interviews and all these things going on. Um, yeah. Do you do you see a light at the end of the tunnel for us, Nick? What pandemic wise? Yes. Oh, that's. I mean, obviously, I'm no better equipped to answer that than anyone. But yeah. yes, uh, uh, I mean, we're doing a brilliant job on this uh, island or the British Isles. Yes. And the, the just about uh, jabbed fifty percent of the adult population. Astonishing. And the more that get, um, you know, vaccinated, and um, the fewer cases they're going to be, and certainly the fewer serious cases and the fewer 
deaths and the fewer people going into hospital and intensive care. So all the time it is getting better. But the worry is what's going on across the channel, you know, where it's going becoming rife again but we are well ahead with the vaccinations and so we shouldn't be hit as hard uh, by any means if there is a, a third wave coming in so yeah definitely light at the end of the tunnel and certainly the government are working on the principle that we will be you know going to football matches again soon perhaps we all have to have a vaccination passport or something but at the moment everything is very encouraging and I, i'm yearning to see my kids and grandkids who i've barely seen in a year and I certainly haven't hugged anyone. No, I mean, it's, uh, it's awful. Ditto. Um, we've got a couple of emails before you go tonight. Um, can you say hello to Leah, who's listening to you in Norfolk? Leah in Norfolk. Hi. It's lovely to know you're listening, and I hope you're keeping well. Thank you very much. Delighted to say hello. This is a great question. Weird, but great. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Nicholas Owen is Nick Owen, not Nicholas Owen. Nick Owen. <clears throat> So you have to put that right in your email when you send it. But I, I thought it was fun to read it out because it, it opens a conversation. If you could pick any quiz show from the past that's been hosted by one of your heroes, which one would you take over? Quiz show. Wow. First of all, I was lucky enough to do three different quiz shows myself. Tell me. Um, over the years, including Sporting Triangles. used to get audience yes. of 14 million, you know. 14 yes. million. Yes, a lot of people now. Sporting triangles, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> that was in the 80s, mid-80s. I did a thing called Hitman, and another one called After the News, which has just went out in the, in the London area. It's a bit like Have I Got News for You, and it yeah. was sort of local. Um, and I tell you what, After the News was a great show, and I loved doing it, and they wanted to put it on nationally, but they felt they didn't have the budget to do it. But one of the regular panellists on it was an unknown comedian I'd never heard of called uh, Graham Norton. Oh! It was very, very good. <laughs> yes, he was, yes. Yeah, I saw him not so long ago. He's a lovely guy. Anyway, um, if I did... Well, what was the question again? The question, if I could question is, a game basically, show, a game show that's gone on, say, like Catchphrase, Price Joy, which one would you mm. like to have stolen for yourself? I auditioned for Catchphrase, you know. It's between oh. me and Roy Walker, the final two. No way! But I was in a bad way at that, that time and had a, a, a really bad back injury. No um, way. And I had an operation and stuff, and I was in a really bad way, so I wasn't at my best. But they made the right decision. It was, you know, uh, game shows mostly need to be hosted by comedians, I would say. I tell you what, I think is one of the greatest game shows of all time um, is The Chase and Bradley Walsh. I think he's brilliant, and he's a lovely guy, and I remember interviewing him many times when he was an up and coming comic. And he's, he's such a nice bloke. And I saw him not that long ago and caught up with him. But I think that's a brilliant show. He is superb. He is. And also another very close friend is Chris Tarrant. And of course yes. he did Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. He was in the newsroom with Anne and me back in the 70s. And he worked with us at TVAM. And I still meet up with uh, him and uh, his partner frequently. We meet up for lunch and stuff. I have spent, um, I've got to be honest, I'm always honest, I've spent 18 months on this station trying to get Chris Tarrant to come on and have a chat. 18 mm. months because uh, he's lovely uh, the way he did Millionaire yeah, top, it was just amazing wasn't it the way he put the, the drama of it all the drama yeah. the you know, I remember it being on every single night and it was back then when it first started it was much what must watch TV wasn't yeah. it yeah oh absolutely yeah it was a terrific game show that and The Chase yes uh, possibly the best game shows of all time I would say and what do you think about The Chasers now the the new one the new kind of where you have a minute you get the questions and then you go up against they take money up yeah I've, I've not really seen much of that but I enjoyed what I saw but it's I haven't great. seen much of it not like the actual you know the late afternoon well it's very intense it's kind of you know you can play for £50,000 we've got 42 <laughs> seconds you've got a minute and it's kind mm. of the drama of 
you know, the yeah, questions are fine. The whole thing is a clever idea, and it it's is. an extension of it, and it? it's uh, uh, all credit. You know, once you get something that works, if you can um, adapt it to get another dimension, it, it's brilliant if you can do it. Right, let's say hello all to... the time they're trying to come up with new game shows, of course. Oh, all the time. Let's say hello to Rob Delaney. Now, Rob Delaney is listening to you in Malaga. Oh, my goodness. Hope it's warmer then than it is here. Hello, Rob. <laughs> he wants to know who is your all time favourite actor of all time? Uh, well, all time showbiz person is Eric Morgan by mile. Okay. Um, you know, in so many ways, because he was a, a director of Luton Town Football Club, and of course, I was chairman of Luton Town Football Club, you so we've got that, yeah. you know, in common. <laughs> um, but uh, for all time actor, oh my goodness, that is so difficult. Um, I, I mean, people, I, I thought people like Burt Lancaster were pretty yeah. fantastic, yeah. and Kirk Douglas, these sort of guys, uh, ace, really ace actors. Um, I know going back a bit, but terrific, really terrific. The audience that we have on here will will know who Burt Lancaster is because like oh, we, right. we we have such a, a wide range of audience. And Clint Eastwood, there's Clint another Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. I love the good, the bad, and the ugly, and oh. those you know spaghetti westerns. Phenomenal. Um, my favourite film with Clint Eastwood, of course. I don't know if you if you know this film called Unforgiven. No, I don't actually. I'm not a great film man actually. I don't. He's, I don't go to. He's amazing. He's Gene Ackman's in the film. Um, oh yeah. He was on. It was see. I'm, I'm older before. It was on TCM last night. Turner Classic Movies. He was on last mm-hmm. night, and I watched that. I need to ask you yeah. as well: your favourite pop artist of all time or band? Without without doubt, which one? Oh, without doubt, the Beatles. Oh yeah. Uh, I mean, I remember when you know when they were starting, and, and suddenly the explosion. I was a teenager in the sixties. So you can imagine what an exciting time that was. Um, and I, I can remember it so far back that when their first album came out, Please Please Me album, uh, I remember with mates looking at the picture on the front and trying to work out who was who. That's Ringo. No, I think that one's Paul. So you can imagine, uh, bearing in mind how they're all such familiar faces now, that that's how far back I go with the Beatles. And I went to the cavern to sort of get a feel of the place where it all started back in the mid-60s I went there. And that was so thrilling to do that. And, and um, we had Ringo Starr in for a morning on TVAM and that was really great fun he was a terrific value and there was another time when uh, we were interviewing Dion Warwick yeah. uh, and she was chatting away about her various hit records like Do You Know The Way To Hand San Jose yeah. and all those sort of things and she said oh, one of my big hits in the States was Anyone Who Had A Heart but sadly, it wasn't a hit over here because the Beatles came over and nicked it for their friend Scylla Black and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> went on yeah. about it. Anyway, uh, and of course, Scylla had a number one with it, her first yes. number one. Yes. Uh, anyway, after that interview finished, went to a commercial break and the producer came in. We've got Paul McCartney on the line. He's really pissed off. <laughs> really <laughs> incandescent. <laughs> so the next thing is um, we're interviewing Paul McCartney on the phone and uh, chatting away. I'm a bit proud of myself because at the end of the interview, the producer said, we're coming in. We're running out of time. I said, Paul, we've got to leave it now. Uh, we'll have to let it be. Oh dear, <laughs> awful stuff. But um, he, to me, is the biggest musical figure in my lifetime, Paul McCartney. So Paul McCartney is up there, and the Beatles as a whole, wonderful. But there are loads of others I like, but the Beatles are absolutely it. Do you know, I could, honestly, the the audience tonight, the messages that I'm getting through on my other screens, I've absolutely adored you tonight, Nick. I mean, it's... oh, Chris, you're too kind. No, honest, honestly, <laughs> thank you, everyone who's listening, and thank you for being there. Appreciate it's, it. It's been it's been amazing, and of course, uh, we look forward to. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna stay on BBC Midlands today for the future. Well, if they want me, yeah. <laughs>
You can't go nowhere. We can't. There's absolutely no, there's nothing, nothing else no. I talk. have no intention of going anywhere. I'm absolutely dedicated to the program, the station, the region, and my colleagues. They're a great crowd. They really are a great crowd. Like everything you've done, like everything you've done, you've been dedicated to everything you've done that we can see over your career. Well, I think you've got to give it 100%. Yeah. I, I always say that to people when they ask me for advice. So whatever it is you do in our business, give it everything because attitude gets noticed. And even if you think it's a bit of a menial job that they're asking you to do in your early days, do it and do it with the right attitude and give it everything because that's what people notice. And then they think that person is in, in the right sort of character for me. And that's how you make progress. It's been amazing having your company. I mean, on, on, honestly, I'm such a huge fan, of course. I remember saying to you earlier on in the week that the last time I actually physically, you know, not on the TV, but actually came across <laughs> you was in a place called Borth, which is one of my favourite places near Aberystwyth. Oh, yeah. Borth. Um, yeah. I remember the pub, the Friendship Inn, and I think I was stopping yeah. with my other half next door in a bed and breakfast, uh, yeah. which had got really strange, weird uh, flooring. It was kind of not level. But yeah. we enjoyed it. <laughs> uh, it's been amazing. I know everybody is over the moon. Uh, before you go, if you could just stay there for a quick word off air. Uh, but before okay. we say goodbye, I'm going to allow you to pick one of these three tracks now for us to play at the end of your interview. So I'm going to. What give if you... I haven't heard of them? Well, you've heard of these. Trust me. Oh, go on. We, go we, on. We, right, I'm offering you Bay City Rollers with Bye Bye Baby, mm-hmm. Johnny Nash and Tears on My Pillow, mm-hmm. or Jasper Carrot and Funky Moped. Oh, Jasper, he's one of my closest friends as well. And another close friend is also on that record, Bev Bevan. Oh, yes. Who does, you know, Bev the drummer yes, with the yellow yes, and yes, move. Yes. He, his voice is on it going, funky moped. Oh. Uh, and oh. it was produced, of course, by Jeff Lynn of ELO. So, um, and it was made in a studio in Hansworth in Birmingham. Well, I'm going to let so you. Since, I'm going to. Hmm? I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you because they're going berserk. They want me to ask all these questions. Unfortunately, Nick. Nick's got a life, you know. Uh, <laughs> before you go, I'd like you to Funky introduce. Moped. Yeah, I'd like, I'm going to hand it over to you. The station is yours to introduce Jasper Carrot and Funky Moped and say good night to the audience, Nick. Okay. Well, it's my great, great pleasure to say thank you to Chris Phillips. It's been lovely to talk to you on Second City Radio. Absolute pleasure. Um, wonderful way to round off my Friday night and the end of the week um, and I'd like to say goodbye via a bit of music that established Jasper Carrot as a huge national name from which he went on to become a massive star um, a comedy star but he was a musician first and foremost and became a comedian almost it evolved and this was his big hit that got him right up there in the charts got him on top of the pops produced by the great Jeff Lynn of ELO um, and featuring Bev Bevan doing the deep voice, Funky Moped, and just Jasper Carrot, the singer. All the best. Thanks for listening, everyone. It Bye-bye. might be lockdown, but we're still here.